First Peter chapter 5, we're picking up with verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And this is God's holy word. Last time, when we looked back at verses 5 and 6, we saw how humility is the key that allows us to throw all of our burdens, all of our worries, all our anxieties on the Lord. And the Lord indeed cares for us. We saw that in, in verse 7. And I hope that as a result of considering that passage, and, and hopefully you've spent some time meditating on it this week, that, that you've found rest in the Lord, that you've been able to do that, that the Lord has helped you to humble yourself and not try to take control of your life circumstances and all of your situations. And He's released you to, to give those burdens to Him and to find your rest in Him, to give Him all your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties. But I don't want you to think that the reality of God's care for you means that the Christian life is easy. And I think you know better than that already from your own experience. Circumstances uh, cause anxiety for us. And God says that we can cast all of our anxieties on Him, but He doesn't always remove the thing that caused the anxiety in the first place. You, you still have problems, you just don't have to worry about them. You can give your worry to the Lord, but the problems are usually still there. And because uh, after Peter calls us to cast all our cares on the Lord, after he assures us of God's love and God's care for us, and indeed he does care for us, his very next command is this, be sober, be vigilant. Be sober, be vigilant. We've heard that be sober before. Back in chapter 1, verse 13, Peter said, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, verse 7, he said, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful. It's the same word. Be sober in your prayers. But here in chapter 5, he adds the command to be vigilant. Vigilant just means to be on the alert. Stay awake. Be aware. Be watchful. Jesus had told Peter in Mark 14, verse 38, he said, Watch and pray. Be vigilant and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what's the command? Watch and pray. Be vigilant. Be sober and pray. So casting all your cares on the Lord doesn't mean that we get to just be on a vacation until we get to heaven. Uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, but it, does, it means that we're relieved of our anxieties so that we can be sober and vigilant to guard our souls. It's hard to keep watch of our souls. It's hard to be sober and to be vigilant when your mind is clouded with all your worry and all your anxiety. So you need to give those to the Lord so that you can be obedient 
to his commands. And the reason that he, he gives us for this is very clear. Verse 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, so much for a carefree life. The devil is your adversary. He's prowling around looking for an opportunity to kill you. Put that on your encouraging calendar, your statement every day, right? The devil's out to get you. We have an enemy. We have an adversary. But the reality is he hasn't always been our enemy. Did you know that? Jesus said in John 8, he's told the, the Pharisees, he said, you do the deeds of your father. And what did they say? Well, we were not born of fornication. We have one father. God is our father. Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself. But he sent me. Why don't you understand my speech? You know why they didn't understand Jesus? Because he says, you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Oh, you think God is your father. You look to Abraham as your father. But your father in reality, says Jesus, because you don't hear my word, your father is the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, Jesus says, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. By nature... We are all children of the devil and enemies of God. Ephesians 2 told us just that. He said you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You followed after your own desires, the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. You were God's enemy and a child of the devil. That's your natural state. But when you believe on the Lord Jesus and are adopted into God's family, you become God's children and enemies of the devil. They just switch roles in your life. Whereas he was once your father, when the moment you became a Christian, you made an enemy. The one to whom you once belonged now hates you and wants to destroy you. The word adversary that Peter uses means that he's your accuser. Now, the Bible speaks of Jesus as our advocate with the Father, right? He's making intercession for us, speaking on our behalf at the throne of God. But if Jesus is our advocate, then the devil is our prosecutor. He brings every possible accusation he can find against you before God. Peter says the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He hunts his prey. We saw that in, in action in Job. Job 1, verse 6 and 7 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said, From where do you come? So Satan answered and said, From going to and fro on the earth, from walking back and forth on it. 
That's exactly what he's doing. He's prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus said the thief does not come the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. The devil is bent on destroying you. He's not content for you just to have a bad day, to be a little upset, to experience a minor hurt. No, he wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. And his nature, being a liar, will make every effort to deceive you, to trick you to your own destruction. You remember Genesis 3. I'm going to turn there. Genesis 3 tells us that the serpent was more cunning, more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he comes to Eve. He says to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now Eve knew that that's what God had said, that they could eat of every tree of the garden except one. But what is Satan's tactic? To cause you to doubt the word of God. He said, did God really say that you couldn't eat of every tree? The woman said to the serpent, we, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, then Satan gets a little more bold. He doesn't just try to slip something in on God's word. He outright denies. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. God had said, you shall die. Satan says, did he really say that? And then he just says, no, he didn't say that. For God knows, says the serpent, that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. The serpent came, started with a little doubt, outright denied the word of God, presented her with the very thing he knew and she knew she should not have, and she was deceived, and she ate it. And verse 7 of chapter 3 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. When you are in fellowship with God, when things are going well in your Christian life, you can count on it. You will come under attack. Satan will try to get you to doubt God's word. He will outright lie to you and tell you that God is not telling the truth. And he will tempt you with the very things that you know you should not have. And when you partake of it, you will be nothing but ashamed. And you will try to hide from the presence of the Lord. This is your enemy. This is who you're up against in trying to live the Christian life. And, you know, it's not likely that any of us will ever directly encounter the devil. Um, he's not omnipresent like God. He can't be more than one place at a time. And none of us are probably important enough to have his direct attention. But he still attacks Christians across the world every single day by extension through demons and through people who are under his control. You will be attacked by Satan. 
The devil hates God, and if you love God, then the devil hates you, and he and his forces are at work in the world to do everything they can to destroy you and every other Christian. I hope you came to be encouraged today. So what do you do? What do you do? Peter's already told us to be sober and vigilant, so be watchful. The devil's a liar. He's a deceiver. But if you're sober, if you're self-controlled, if you're vigilant, watchful, on the alert, you'll be able to spot his schemes. But the trick isn't by trying to familiarize yourself with every deceit of Satan and give all your attention to him. You see, there's a, a ditch on both sides of the road here. See, some people just ignore the devil altogether. He's just a figment of our imagination. The devil's just a, a, a spiritual term for all the evil in the world, and he's not real, and we don't think about him at all. That's an error. The error on the other side is to give the devil all your attention and be so concerned with him that you forget about the things of God. And so just like trying to determine if money is counterfeit, you don't try to study all the counterfeit money. You study what's real. You know what's true. You set your mind on the things of God. Fill your mind and your heart with what God has said in His Word. And then when you encounter something that's in disagreement with what God has said, you will know that you're dealing with a lie from the devil. Your priority is to know the truth. To be sober, to be vigilant, is to fill your mind, to fill your heart with the truth of God, that you can recognize what's false. That you can recognize the lie. Don't be directed by what is normal by the world's standards. Be directed by God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Don't let sin creep into your life. And that's exactly what it does. It will creep in. If there's a sin that you've never in your life been tempted to commit, and all of a sudden it's just right in front of you, blatant and bold, most likely you'll be able to say no and walk away. But if a little bit creeps in at a time, you take a little step in this direction, a little step in this direction, and you don't really realize how far you've gone, eventually you'll find yourself in a lot more sin than you ever imagined. Don't be directed by what the world calls normal. Don't be directed by the standards of society. Be directed by the Word of God. Sobriety and vigilance can keep you from being deceived by the devil, but what do you do when you're under attack? What do you do when temptation to sin comes so strongly that you don't know if you can resist? What do you do when... No matter how hard you try, you can't seem to shake the anxieties that you're supposed to be able just to cast on the Lord. What do you do when you're under attack from the devil? Interestingly enough, verse 9 says, resist him. Resist him. James said the same thing in James 4, 7. He said, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You think of all the things in the Bible that we're commanded to flee from. Sin, run away from it. Temptation, run away from it. But we're not commanded to flee from the devil. You see, the devil has no authority over you if you're a child of God. He's been 
defeated. After Jesus was raised from the dead, he told his disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And in commissioning the disciples to carry on the the gospel to the world and the command to us, he extends that authority. When Jesus died on the cross for sins, when he rose from the dead, the devil lost. Be encouraged. The devil has already lost. When Jesus died on the cross, the devil bruised his heel, as it were. But in the same act, Jesus crushed the head of the serpent. It was a fatal blow that sealed his fate. And Satan has no authority. There's no reason for you to run from him. Here's what we're commanded to do instead. He says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. What does that look like? Turn turn to Matthew 4. We'll just look at this passage together. Matthew 4. I think we have a really good example of what to do. Matthew 4, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. That would be a temptation indeed. Jesus has fasted for 40 days. There's probably nothing in the world that sounds better to his flesh than some bread. And we like bread well enough as it is, but I imagine that if Jesus made bread, he would make some really good bread. (laughs) I mean, Texas Roadhouse Rolls got nothing on what Jesus could do with some stones. But what did Jesus say? Verse 4, he answered and said, it is written. It's written where? In the scriptures, in the Old Testament. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Second temptation, verse 5, Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Well, the devil's quoting the Bible now. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Go ahead, Jesus. You can prove right here, right now, that you are from God. Just, you know, jump off the building and survive. Here, I'll give you a verse to back it up. The devil can use the Bible out of context in inappropriate ways. And how how does Jesus respond again? Verse 7, Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Temptation number three, verse eight. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I'm surprised the earth did not shake at those words. The idea that Jesus, the son of God, would bow down and worship his creation. One as evil as Satan himself. Was that a genuine temptation? Well, you think of all Jesus would have to go through to come to that position. Oh, Jesus is going to inherit everything on the earth anyway. But he had to go through a cross to get there. 
He had to suffer. Go according to the Father's plan. But here Satan is, he says, I'll give it to you right here, right now. All you have to do is worship me. Then Jesus said to him, verse 10, Away with you, Satan, for what? It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. How did Jesus respond to the temptations of the devil, the attacks of the devil, every single time? He took him to the Word of God. He quoted Scripture to the devil. And verse 11 says this, Then the devil left him. Then the devil left him. What does James say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you're under attack from the devil, you remind yourself and him for that matter that he has no authority, that all authority belongs to Jesus, and then you just start declaring what God has said in his word. Whatever temptations that, that you're prone to, whatever uh, anxieties come your way, most often you need to have some ammunition in your gun, ready to go. You need to start looking up some Bible verses. You need to commit them to memory. You need to have them written out on cards. Put them wherever you need. Because when Satan comes along, your only tool that will work against him is God's Word. If you're prone to worry, you need to go quote some verses from Matthew 6. And you need to say, God takes care of the birds. God takes care of the flowers. I'm more valuable than birds and flowers, so God's going to take care of me. Get behind me, Satan. If you're tempted to gossip, you need to go memorize Ephesians 4.29 and say, I'm not going to let any corrupt communication come out of my mouth. By God's grace, I'm going to use my words, I'm going to use my lips to build up the body of Christ, not tear people down. You need to have that on the ready. If you're tempted by impure thoughts, you need to quote Matthew 5.8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you say, I'm not thinking that junk. I'm not taking my mind there because I want to have a pure heart. One day I'm going to see God. You see where we're going. Apply that to whatever your struggle is. You find out what God has said. You commit that to memory and you use that against the devil when you come under attack. You see the value of hiding God's Word in your heart? Of memorizing Scripture? You know the things that you're inclined to be tempted by. You know better than I do. You know your heart. So have some ammo ready. Next time the devil comes along, next time you're under attack. And what did the devil do when Jesus responded with the Word of God? He left. James says that the devil will flee from you. You don't have to run from him. He'll run from you. You just put up a fight with God's word and he'll be the one to turn and run. Take note of one more thing in the last part of verse 9. He says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by the, your brotherhood in the world. In the case of these Christians, they were being persecuted. They were under attack. And the encouragement that Peter gives to them is simply to remind them that they're not alone. 
you might say, well, that's, that seems a little odd to be encouraged by the fact that other people are being persecuted too. But it does do something for your soul to know that you're not out here all by yourself. So you're not going through whatever you're going through alone. And that's encouragement for us today as well. It's encouragement for you. You see, one of the most effective tactics that the devil uses is convincing you that you're the only one experiencing what you're experiencing. Whether it's a struggle or a worry or a sin, he will tell you that no one else will understand what you're experiencing. If you tell somebody what you're feeling, they'll just think you're a lousy Christian. Real Christians don't go through that kind of stuff. Real Christians don't worry the way you're worrying. Real Christians aren't sucked into the kind of sin you're sucked into. You'll just embarrass yourself if you talk to someone about it. That's what he'll say. Maybe there's a sin that has hold on you, and he'll come along and say, you don't need to confess that to anybody. You know what they'll think of you? If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't be dealing with this anyway. No one will understand if you try to talk about it. You'll just embarrass yourself. You can deal with it alone. I, I can speak from experience. And I think some of you can too, that you've had those thoughts, you've had those words, those voices going through your head that you can't talk about the things that you're going through with other people. It should encourage you to know that while you feel like you're alone, just go ahead and take a look around you right now. Everybody in this room has had that experience where they have felt alone and that they were the only ones going through the struggles or the sins that they were dealing with. In my own personal experience, this is something that I just enjoy talking about, but I really feel like the Lord wants me to. Um, when I was uh, young, I don't even remember exactly how old. I wasn't in high school yet. Um, I was doing homework one day on a, a borrowed computer. Someone was letting me use theirs. Went to go type something in the search engine, and you know how you do. You start typing letters, and recent things pop up uh, associated. And as a however old I was, uh, I was exposed to some really filthy things. And just like lots of other people who have the same story, you, you might stumble upon something like that once, but then something happens in your mind and you go back to it. And then again, and again, and again. And then it becomes a sin. It becomes a hold that the devil has on you. And in my case, it went on for years. And you know what? The one attack that was in my mind every time I was just fed up with myself and with my sin, the thing that kept coming again and again is you can't tell anybody about this. What will people think of you if you tell them that you struggle with that sin? But that is a lie from the devil. And I'll tell you, in my case, just sharing my personal experience here, whenever I opened up and talked to other Christians about it, confessed my sin to God and confessed it to a fellow Christian, that's exactly when I became free. That's exactly when the temptation loses its teeth. See, the devil walks about as a roaring lion. And some have said he just walks around and roars because he knows he can't really get you. 
The lion ain't got no teeth, I heard somebody say. And that's true, that whenever you open up and you share your struggles, whether it's a worry or a sin or whatever it is, you open up and you share it with another Christian. And you confess that sin to God and you pray together. That sin loses its hold on you. That worry will will lose its sting. James said just that. Why don't we just believe what the Bible says? James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses, confess your faults, your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The devil knows that's true, so he's going to convince you you're alone. But you're not. And Peter says, knowing this, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings, the exact same things you're going through, are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There are other people going through exactly what you're going through. There are other people struggling with the same sins you're struggling with. I can tell you from my own experience, from witnessing the experience of others, when Christians open up about the ways they're being attacked by the devil, they open about their struggles, open up about their sins, that's exactly when you will be healed. That's exactly where you find healing. So we'll conclude on that thought. I think some of you probably need to do that today. First, you need to tell it to God. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your worry, whatever your sin, whatever lie you keep hearing in your head from the devil, you need to just tell it to God. And then you need to find somebody that you can talk to before you leave here today. You need to find a a mature Christian, a Christian friend that you can trust. And maybe you just need to step into one of these Sunday school rooms in the hall and you need to pour your heart out and pray for one another. That's scary. Right now you're thinking of all the reasons why you shouldn't do that. That voice that says that you got to keep it all to yourself is getting louder right now. But Christians, we got to open up with each other. We're commanded to love one another, and we can do that best when we know what struggles we're having. I don't mean you have to stand up in front of the pulpit and tell the whole church. That's my job. But you need to have Christian friends that can come alongside you and walk with you through your struggles. And when you do that, when you're not trying to face the devil alone, you can face him without fear. God is with you, and your church is with you. Maybe someone here has had their eyes open today that maybe you're not a Christian at all. You need to repent of your sins, and you need to put your trust in Jesus today. Your father is the devil, and you need to repent and come to God. He'll adopt you into his family. He'll forgive your sins, and he'll give you eternal life. You need to come talk to somebody before you leave today. Whatever you need to do, let's do it right now. Bow your heads. And right where you are, you know whatever it is that God has brought to your mind. You need to pray about it. Tell it to God. Cast your anxieties on Him. Confess your sins to Him. Repent of whatever is in your life that doesn't please God. And in a moment, we'll stand and sing. And the first chance you get, you need to go find another Christian, somebody you trust that you can pour your heart out to, somebody that can pray with you, and somebody who can walk with you through these struggles. Father,
I praise you for your word. I praise you that you have all authority. That the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But if we will simply resist, stand firm in the faith, and stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ, he cannot touch us. Lord, you know what struggles are in this room right now. You know what sins are in this room right now. And I pray that in this moment they would be dealt with. Your Holy Spirit would bring people to repentance. Lord, humble them. and Give them courage to open up and talk about their struggles with other Christians. Lord, be honored in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name.